Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 11. We're going to be joining you every week to talk IT career, news, and opinions based on our points of view. I'm your host, John White, at Journeyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John, I'm doing great. I just want to make sure everybody knows we're both VMware solutions engineers, and our topics are definitely going to have a data center slant. But we hope our career discussions will be relevant across disciplines and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. If you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Great. How was that opening for you, Nick? That's good. I liked it. Went a little slower this time. You know, I I feel like something launched. John, am, can you can you help me help remind me what that was? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of behind the scenes uh, on the Nerd Journey podcast. We actually pre-recorded about ten episodes, and um, so this is this is the first episode that we're actually recording after we launched the pod the podcast on the website with the feed up and running submitted to apple and google so this is the first podcast that we're recording after podcast launch so uh i think we have a couple more pieces of contact information that we want to make sure everybody has right we do so i wrote this blog on my own personal blog blog.thenetworknerd.com about why we started the podcast and we go into that in the first episode and a little bit about how john and i met and we do have a website, nerd-journey.com. That's where you can find all the episodes with show notes. We have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash nerdjourneypodcast, all one word. And, and uh, go ahead. the words nerd, the journey, and podcast are all capitalized. Of course. Don't forget that, especially when using Linux. <laughs> Actually, I have no idea whether uh, it's uh, uh, case-sensitive on Facebook. Couldn't, Maybe I should have checked that. Couldn't tell you. <laughs> awesome. We got the Twitter. Well, um, we Instagram? I don't. I can't remember. Well, what would we do on Instagram? I think we had this discussion. We just take pictures of each of, <laughs> of ourselves, like selfies, like in front of customer buildings or something. Yeah. Or holding um, holding people's resumes, looking at them thoughtfully. Right. Um, We're going to need yeah, a Nerd Journey podcast search for that before we can even think about it. So maybe we don't yeah. maybe we don't go there yet. Maybe not yet. But if if the people demand an Instagram and have ideas for us to put stuff on that Instagram, then we will have no choice but to Instagram. It's all about the people. That's right. All right, let's get into the format. Um we are going to uh as we said, you know, talk a little bit about the career advice that we wish that we had gotten a little bit early on in our careers. And we have two topics that we're going to be talking about today. Um, one is a questionable uh, career advice entry. It is a post from the Washington Post entitled 10 More Questions to Ask at a Job Interview. And the second one is uh, the idea of the IT hero. Uh, does working in IT give you a hero complex? So with those two topics in mind, we are going to roll forward. First topic, 10 more questions to ask at a job interview. Again, this is a uh, post at the uh, Washington Post uh, 
going to assume they have like a blog section or, or similar to Forbes where just anybody can, uh, can blog for them under the banner of the Washington post. Um, but I have to say that this article was really good. <laughs> yeah. I liked uh, it. I don't know. Yeah. I, every single one of these things agreed. I agreed with like each of these questions is a question that you should be asking at a job interview, or it is in the family of questions that would be really good to have answered uh, by the time you uh, have a, a good uh, thorough interview with a hiring manager. So with that in mind, I think we're going to roll forward and, and kind of run down the list and specifically uh, highlight the ones that we found especially compelling. So the very first one um, is kind of a favorite of mine. I, I you know, came across this uh, earlier on, this uh, type of question. What, qualify, what qualities would a person need to succeed in this position? That was a solid question to ask of a hiring manager and maybe of like, you know, a peer, uh, if there's like a, a peer interview, um, you know, somebody who's going to be a coworker, um, and they can tell you about the different types of success that, you know, could happen. So, um, that was, that, I really like that question. I think that should probably be asked multiple times. Um, yeah. So ask three people, right? See if you yeah. get the same answer. So ask the HR screener and ask the hiring manager. And if you have a, a technical interview with somebody else on the team, ask them too. But it's it's interesting because you would think you might be able to guess some of the qualities someone would need from the job description and the talk with the person doing the HR screen. That's That's my guess. And then you really get a feel for what the hiring manager perceives the qualities are, which may or may not be the same. Yeah, absolutely. So probably the job posting was, came from a discussion between the HR person, the HR partner and the, um, and the hiring manager, right? So they're the ones that came up with a job description. So there's probably going to be some things on there, other, you know, specific qualities. So maybe if you're asking the hiring manager specifically, you could kind of extract the qualities that are represented in the job posting. You could say like, oh, you know, I noticed in the job posting, it said that you're looking for someone who is timely, uh, persistent, and able to work independently. Are there other qualities that you think would um, add to a person's success in this position. And so, you know, again, you're demonstrating that you actually paid attention to what they said, and then you want them to kind of elaborate on it. So again, kind of a one that struck a chord with me. I think that that was a really good question. Yeah, that's good. What about this next one? Can you give me an example of what I'd be working on if I started tomorrow? That's pretty cool. I mean, you never know what day one's going to be like or day two. Honestly, you can ask as much as you like, talk to as many people as you like, but no one can be told what the matrix is, John. That's, <laughs> you know, that. Yeah. So I, I probably should have highlighted this one as a, an example of something that I also really like because it, it, dem it, it has two purposes. Um, I don't know if this was on purpose, but it serves two purposes. One is to actually find out that information because sometimes you just don't know what's going on in that business. You know what the general role is, but you don't know the type of thing that that person would be working on. So you get that information. Second 
uh, outcome is that you are doing, uh, <laughs> you're forcing the person who's probably doing the hiring or has influence over the hiring to imagine you in the position. Right. So that's kind of like a, a powerful, like anchoring tool. Like imagine me, you know, if I just had an opportunity to sit down, demonstrate my competence in an interview, and then say to the person that was interviewing me, hey, for the next like three or four minutes, I would like you to imagine me in this job. Like you would, you don't really have a way of doing that like straight out, but this question kind of backs you into that, right? If I were to be working on something, what would it be? And then they tell you, oh, well, you know, customer X is interacting with customer Y and we need somebody to do that. So then you could say, well, so if I were to be calling on customer X, you know, what would the types of things that I'd be asking, you know, be? So you're forcing them to imagine you in the role. And once, you know, it just plants a seed. And I think that's a very powerful um, psychological tool. Yeah. You're like the real estate agent who's asking the family that you're showing the house to where they would put their furniture. Yeah. What they would do with the space. (laughs) Imagine uh, how you would decorate this room. How would it be? Yeah. No, it's, it's this, it's in the same family of psychological tool. Tune in next time on house hunters international. (laughs) All right. The next one, why is this position currently open? I think you got, you and I have uh, come across this question before. Again, it's a review. Um, I think one of the things that we're going to find is that, you know, a lot of these are uh, repeated as we go over more of these articles, but it's a really good question. Why is the position open? Is the position open because the person who had it previously, um, you know, trained, did really good job, you know, took advantage of all the company training and eventually was just, you know, too good to leave in this position and, and they're promoted to like a higher level, like technical role, or is the, you know, the, to the previous three people who held the position all leave the the company after three months. They're not going to tell you if that's the case, but you know, they're going to, it's going to be impossible for them to talk about it without you getting a hint. It's been really tough to find somebody to uh, fill this position. It's been tough to keep this position filled. I mean, the, those are hints that like they tried to fill it and then the person left either they got fired or they quit. So, right. And if you're doing this in person, you can read the body language probably a little bit better than you could over the phone. Maybe just the tone of voice. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like the next one. Can you tell me about the people I'd be working with most closely? I mean, when you ask that question, that means you care about the team aspect of this job and your interaction with others and you are addressing the fact that you want to make sure you're a cultural fit at this place, just like the company wants. Yeah, absolutely. So they're interviewing you and you should have some idea of the type of people that you're going to be working with. Um, you know, Bill kind of a prickly personality, but you know, uh, he's a teddy bear. He's really a teddy bear. And then, you know, this person over here and this person over here, you're getting a feel for the team and you can do some imagining on your own. Is that, you know, a group of people that I could uh, be fitting in with? I, I think we talked about in episode one, um, kind of setting some goals for the type of environment and place that you would like to work. So if you're interviewing for a, 
for a, a position at a company, you should know some of those things that you want in coworkers. And you can kind of look for those things. Is this person, you know, do, do I have, is this person describing a group of coworkers that fits, you know, my um, criteria for a place that I would really enjoy working at? So good fit there. And then this next one, I think that really resonated with you. Yeah. What challenges are you facing as a company or division right now? So think about that and think about what the answer to that question could be. Because if the person on the other side of the table, assuming we're talking about a hiring manager, just tells you things about only the department in which you're going to be working or the division you're in and doesn't really mention how you fit within the organization, chances are they don't know or they're not paying enough attention to the bigger picture and you might not feel like you're part of the overall vision and of the company. You know what I mean? That could lead to a, a vision mismatch between you and the company. If your future manager is not, let's just say integrated in the right way. Yeah. And that could just be a cultural thing about the division or the team, right? If, if the person doesn't know, well, that's kind of a problem. If the person doesn't care, that's a different kind of problem. Um, If the person knows but can't articulate it, you know, that says something else. If the person knows, cares, and can articulate it, I mean, that's probably a great thing. Right. Then you need to know, like, if there's actual problems or challenges. Are you going to be living in Rapunzel's Tower in this role? Nick, one of the challenges that we're facing is that we're just so successful as a company that uh, all of our employees are making so much money that they just generally leave after about three years. So we have to replace them. (laughs) <laughs> because they all retire early. Nice. Yeah. That's multimillionaires. That sounds like a tough challenge that I'd like to help them uh, continue the pattern on. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Moving on. How often do you expect the responsibilities for this position to change? This is a question about stability in uh, job description, right? I thought the answer to that was daily. Am I wrong? (laughs) Right. I mean, you know, there's definitely positions that have like a lot of fluidity and Hey, you know, you're kind of a, uh, a utility uh, player and we need you to fit in a lot of different places. That's, that's fine. And that's great. As long as you know that going in, Um, it's really important to know what the vision for the role is though. Right. And how often in the past, the responsibilities of the position has changed, have cha- has changed. So maybe that's even a refinement. How often do you expect it to change or how often and how often has it changed in the past? And if you're a manager and you're listening to this, I would love to know how many times you've been asked that question, because if anybody out there has, I want to know what your answer was and whether you were in any way prepared to answer it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. We should, uh, you know, maybe as a future uh, episode idea, we could like take some of these like really good questions and then run them by their, our own managers and see what they think of them. Right. Without telling them what we're going to say first. Yeah. yeah. Put them on the spot. I like it. <laughs> Do you expect to make additional hires over the course of the next few months? That's Only interesting. if you leave. oh so snarky so snarky but i mean really it's about you know it's almost like a way to measure whether this department is growing right or if they've had you know huge holes to fill uh, or if it's brand new you know and and they're just trying to staff it up uh, in which case you have questions about 
you know, how, what's the stability? Like, what is the, the road to success? So there's a lot of questions that can be answered here, um, you know, no matter what. Right. No, we're actually pretty stable. We only hire a new person once every five years or so. Um, everybody's really happy. We were all worked well together. So you're the one in five, right? Right. Yeah. It also gives you some perception of what the the overall organization might think of your department. Very true. You know, if the rest of the company is growing, but the department you're trying to get into is not, and you're having to support that growing organization, that that might be a red flag. Yeah. Well, that's an excellent point. Next one. Ideally, when do you need someone in place? That's the, interesting. That's the one I like the least, John, because I, yeah. I think you get to the conversation with the hiring manager. You should already know the answer. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. That's probably something that you would ask the screener. Yeah. Uh, not the hiring manager. Um, when did they identify the need? How long has it taken them to get, you know, the need funded and in the pipeline? When do they want someone to start? Like those might all be questions that you ask someone in the HR uh, department, like a little bit earlier or a little bit later. Makes sense. Yeah. Where do you see the company headed in the near future? And are there any major changes on the horizon? Hmm. Yeah, I think that's probably something that I would research a little bit. So have like an idea, right? So for example, I might say, well, I noticed that you launched product X and product Y, um, but can you give me an idea of where the company's headed in the near future? That way they know that you're not just asking blind, that you've done some research, you're, you're actually really interested in the company, um, you know, provided that, you know, that's actually possible. Some small and medium sized businesses, it's, it's just not possible. And then maybe you want to research the, uh, the industry that they're in rather than the specific company. So would you be bold enough to say something like, okay, I looked up the executive team. They're, they're a little bit older folks. So this is a privately held company with a lot of large competitors in the area. Are they looking to sell out anytime soon? Oh, that's really interesting. I think I would probably, that's, that's an interesting question to ask. And it might be something that you want to ask a little bit more subtly than that. Well, sure. Um, sure. That was made up on the yeah. fly. Yeah. Yeah. Non-subtle. Yeah. There's a, there's a subtle version of that, right. Or a, a direct, but, um, Hey, I noticed that all the, the leadership is old. I, mean, I don't know. doesn't sound good. <laughs> that sounds, that sounds bad actually. <laughs> all right. Um, final question. Why did you decide to work here? I really like that one. Yeah. Especially asking that to the future hiring manager, you know, that gives you an idea of what they like about the company, what keeps them there. You know, if yeah. they have any tenure, they'll, they'll tell you about it, why they enjoy it. And you'll be, you'll be able to know probably just by listening to their voice, whether they're telling you the truth or not. Yeah. Very true. I really like the idea that you kind of floated there, which is um, kind of having a follow-up of like, what keeps you here? Like, why did you decide to work here? What, what's keeping you here? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Excellent. So yeah, so we have a link in the show notes to the actual article that we're talking about. Um, so you can go and check it out yourself. We're just kind of giving the questions without any of the commentary from the article. Um, so you can go and check it out yourself. And of course, give your own feedback to us, you know, tweet at us, DM us, um, 
we're happy to kind of take that feedback and incorporate it into future shows. Yeah. What's a, what's a random question you asked that nobody was prepared to answer, but they were really impressed that you asked it. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the good most, the most impressive question that you've asked at an interview that could be generalizable. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Nice. All right. So let's move on to the uh, second topic, which is, does working in IT give you a hero complex? And this is based kind of on a couple articles that we saw, uh, one from WeWork and one was a Q&A from Quora, both about uh, hero complexes and especially that first one being in, uh, you know, that work-life balance uh, genre that we've uh, been addressing over the past uh, few weeks. so I would even say that there are certain other occupations or, or disciplines you could work in that might also give you a hero complex. You know, the characteristics might be high-pressure type situations, tight deadlines, people being possibly happy or unhappy with you a lot of the time. You know, you, you think of the help desk, really, when you, when you think of hero complex, or at least I do help desk, system administrator, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a it, hero complex, John? <laughs> it's something that I have to uh, be aware of. Um, again, some behind-the-scenes uh, knowledge. Like, you know, when we were launching this podcast, I was like, oh, you know, I'll take this part on, I'll take this part on, I'll take this part on, I'll learn to do this in a different way than I've done it before. And then it all kind of fell apart because I, I you know, in retrospect, I, I was just taking on too much and I needed a little bit more help. Um, so it's something that I have to, to fight off, right? The, and I think maybe some of it is driven by ego. You know, you have to be aware, uh, beware of that um, and be aware of it. You know, do you think that you are so good and so smart that you can uh, do a lot more than the average bear and therefore when other people have problems, you just say, here, give it to me and I'll do it rather than taking a little bit of time to make sure that they learn how to do it. Right. And that, yeah. that just shows you that I'm, I'm just a pretty face here. John's the real, the real worker bee. <laughs> the, the deep thinker. Right. Well, I, this kind of, some of my thinking has been uh, shaped by, uh, this article that I read way back when I'm going to have to see if I can find it, but I'm sure that, you know, different types of things have been written about this and that's uh, smart kid syndrome. Uh, at least that's what I call it. I don't know what everybody else calls it, but um, it's the idea that when you're uh, in, even as early as elementary school, when, you know, other people think that you're smart, you know, other adults, other kids, you start to get invested in appearing smart and looking good at doing things. So when those types of things come up, you kind of volunteer to do them and you shy away from things that you don't, you're not already good at. Um, so, you know, you just tend to overload on things that you uh, want to be perceived as good at. Um, so that that's kind of like the, the context and grounding for my thinking about this. Um, there's other, there's the second article, the, the Quora, Q&A was what causes a person to have a hero complex. And there's some interesting uh, effects there and interesting causes. I don't know. How, how, how is your uh, thinking about the hero complex in IT? Um, is, where, where has it been shaped by? 
I would say Spider-Man. You know, you you hear you hear him say, "My gift, my curse," in the movies, at least Toby Maguire. Uh-huh. You know, and I just think a lot of people in IT really enjoy fixing things, and you're fixing stuff. It's helping people. They say thank you, or maybe they give you some recognition, or you you worked extra hard to get this fire put out, and you kind of eventually get addicted to being the guy who puts out fires. And that's, Mm. that's just something you really enjoy. You like the pressure. You like the fact that it pushes you to learn something new and you just continue to do that because you want that feeling of fixing the problem, but perhaps that comes with recognition or, you know, you get to work on this next big project because you solved this problem or a promotion or, you know, something along those lines. That's what I think of. But for me, it was always, I, I really enjoy helping people. And, you know, I continue to do that sometimes to a fault to where I can't even help myself because I've spent all my time helping other people do their stuff and ignored, right. ignored something I needed to take care of for myself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely I've been there. Yeah, so there's the seeking the uh the different seeking behaviors, right? So attention seeking, approval seeking, uh glory seeking, right? That's kind of how I grouped those things that were listed in the the Q&A. And and all of those things I think are um are problematic, right? The need for attention, the need for approval, the need for glory. Like, you know, it's I guess it's coded right in those words, but um you know, we, we do these positions, we do these jobs and, and we have to have like boundaries and align and, uh, and understand like what our responsibilities to the organization are. And sometimes it, you know, it, it doesn't have anything to do with what our ego needs. It's, it's something else completely, you know, the organization probably needs us to be balanced and our ego, you know, might need for us to stand out, right. And, uh, be recognized. Um, but is that really the important thing? <laughs> so, and maybe it's the need to feel that what you are doing is important to someone or made a difference for someone. You know, a lot of times that's what the heroes in the movies wanted to feel like they were making a difference for others. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you're doing all this work, putting out all these fires and working all this overtime and your your boss doesn't notice, doesn't know about it, doesn't acknowledge it in your review. You don't get a raise because of it. Why did you do it? Yeah, there's a, there's a balance there, right? Mm-hmm. I think um, the second point here was increased happiness and self-worth. And I think that you pointed out to me that if there's a balance in that, where you can acknowledge it and move on, but it, it doesn't become like a central part of your identity to need these, like these hits of uh, um, dopamine that come from, you know, when everybody appreciates you out loud and, you know, slaps you on the back and says, good job. And, and all those kinds of things. Like, you know, if there's a moderation there, right. If you can get the recognition quietly, it's, you know, yeah, that's something that I did, but it's not important to who I am, right? Right. Um, and if it if it becomes too important, 
it can actually make you become completely overwhelmed. So you start putting out these fires, taking on these tasks, and eventually you raise the bar so high that to get that next hit of dopamine, it takes Herculean effort that you may or may not want to toss out there. Yeah, yeah. And it's what it makes you susceptible to the um the black Spider-Man suit. I, I don't know really what Venom. I was going sure. Yeah. I don't know. I actually don't know anything about Spider-Man. I just realized that. Oh. Well, let me just say with great power comes great responsibility, John. That's what you need to remember. Eh, I had not heard that before. That's an that's a that's pretty pretty catchy. Yeah. <laughs> good motto if you're an it pro for sure right <laughs> in your in your past operations experience did you ever find yourself having these types of tendencies man i i definitely have you know uh, taking stuff on um project after project you know getting to the point of just really being burned out right like that's a really big danger. It's, you know, something that you really have to to check yourself in, or, or maybe I should use, you know, me words. I have to check in myself. Um, and, and I think I'm definitely better at it now where I recognize kind of how busy I am, like how subscribed my time is. And, you know, I've, I've been asked to like pitch in on things and just had to say, you know, uh, not right now. Like, you know, what's, what's the ask, what's the time ask? Um, and do I have time to do that? And I, you know, sometimes somebody will say, Hey, can you help out with this? And I'm, and I'll be honest. I'm like, I have two hours in the middle of next week, but that's pretty much all that I have. Is that enough? And then that person can say yes or no. Right. Right. Yeah. You think people in this situation who maybe find themselves having a hero complex, whether it was intentional or non-intentional, I would say they probably have difficulty saying no to stuff. Like they don't want to say no because that makes them look like they can't solve the problem. Right. Right. Yeah. That there's, there's a couple different things there. One is that, you know, they want to be the caregiver. That could be another aspect of it too. Right. Um, and, and not being able to say no and being, concerned about the perception that would be brought, you know, or, you know, the perception, perceptual change of that person saying no, like that's definitely another fear. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot that goes into that. And I think it, it's just something that we need to be, you know, careful of in our careers, you know, it and non it. Right. Are you doing it for the right reasons and are you keeping enough of yourself back so that you can still have a life outside of work? Exactly. Exactly. Cause you gotta, you're going to have to be the hero at home too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That reminds me, I need to, to water my plants. Um, I accepted that task and uh, I have not followed through. Well do it for the glory, John. For the glory. They're counting on you. <laughs> I think that's it for that segment, yeah? Yeah, I think so. You know, we okay. could go into, like, song lyrics and We Don't Need Another Hero by Tina Turner, but we won't. 
I mean, yeah. I mean, if if the listeners demand it, if they demand it, then we will do karaoke. But maybe that's just a separate podcast, right? A separate feed that we set up for John and Nick's do uh, karaoke, right? Duets by John and Nick. dot <laughs> com. Yeah, I don't know how Register. great that would Register. be, but. TM, TM. I think really the John White School of Mentoring would probably have more appeal. So if you want to, if you want to get hooked up, signed up to be a an attendee of that school, you know, you can tweet or DM Adner Journey, and I will hook you up with the pricing and packaging information, and and we'll find some of John's time that you can steal, <laughs> so that he can get have, the glory. I have two hours in the middle of next week. <laughs> I gotta come All up right. with a good price. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's all the topics that we had planned. Um, anything else pop into your mind while we were talking? Nope. Just a reminder again, we definitely want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. Yeah, you can like us on Apple Podcasts if, if by now we're actually uh, showing up there, our feed. Uh, farewell listeners tune in next time as the journey continues I'm John White at VJourneyman for Nick Cordy at networknerd underscore signing off don't say goodbye John say good journey good journey good journey